podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Celtic's crisis continues with the one at the weekend taking us to eight wins in the last nine games. Welcome to the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Miff as we cover all things Celtic. Miff, I'll come to you first, how are you feeling about everything at the moment? Hello Tino, hello James, hello listeners, uh, how am I feeling? F- feeling good, uh, just a welcome sort of routine victory, we've not had one of those in a, in a wee while so it's nice when you just kind of watch the game, Celtic turn up, score goals and, and win. Um, it was still a tough game. St Mirren, you know, cup games invariably are, especially when they're away from home, but most important thing is we're in the next round. What about the draw? Living at home, is that a, a shoo-in for a hand in semi-final or should we not be so presumptuous? Well, you, you can't be presumptuous, but it's a favourable draw, there's, there's no doubt about that. And um, what, what it does suggest is that it'll be another one of those games where we need to overcome the two banks of five. Yeah, no doubt. James... Much better, you know, performance generally speaking. Uh, and Paisley, what do you think of the new formation? Four, four, one, one-ish. Yeah, yeah, I'd say pretty much that. Um, I liked it. I heard Rogers talking on the radio on the way in there. He was saying a lot of it's to do with when there is that kind of low block phase. I mean, I wouldn't say if it's a low, low block team and we weren't set that way yesterday, but they went into those phases certainly when, when we were attacking. And he finds Ida is is a good man to have in that position because he's getting balls that then bounce back. To dangerous areas for, for players to, to make the most of. And he knows there's there's tweaking and more practice of that required to, you know, accentuate it and, you know, just make it as good as it can be. But yeah, I liked it. Yeah. There was talk about the fact that we were maybe more in control yesterday. I, I don't know if we were completely in control and we certainly, you know, gave up some chances, but do you feel it just, it was a more assured performance? Celtic have been getting the results, as I say, they're eight ones from nine, but performances have been sketchy. So do you think it was a wee bit more comfortable for want of a better word yeah well I, I described it as routine and, and what I mean by that is where you, you know there's not a huge amount of jeopardy in the game you're, you're fairly confident as the game goes on that Celtic are going to win I think the case in point around the tweak in the formation is the first goal comes from Kyogo arriving on the ball whereas before he would be standing in between two centre halves watching the ball probably go from side to side and, and wonder if he's if he's going to anticipate a shot instead we've actually got Kyogo you know, using excellent technique, arriving onto the ball and allowing him to get shot away. Now, obviously, there's an element of luck in the goal and the fact that it gets through Dunn's legs, but still, if you don't shoot, you don't score. And I think that's an idea of, you know, Kugo is an excellent player. He's a technically a very good player. I just think you have to just try and get him as involved in the game as, as much as possible. Uh, and with, with Ida's sort of movement and being more of what you would describe as a target man type player, creates a bit of uh, confusion in the opposition defence then if you've got Kyogo lying deep coming into the box he can benefit from that Yeah I think just you know when Palmer or Maeda whoever looks up and they've got Ida who's a looks you know a pretty decent target man and Kyogo to hit if not you're, you're on Russian midfielders then it's a it's a decent few options to have James do you think the St Martin goalie was blinded by Kyogo's sparkling new Nashers? I know I was they are What are they? Whiter than white <laughs> It's got to be a midfield isn't it? Gum, Is gum it a gumfield of sorts? Yes to be any insight, Miff? Um, that's what I'm saying. Is I don't I have absolutely no insight with well. <laughs> It's absolutely spectacular. Um, but he seems a bit happier, James. That the first, the main thing for Kyogo at any given time is getting back in the goals. You know, the goal sheet and his celebration was, you know, a bit of relief in there as well. You know, given that he's not been hitting the net as regularly, and that'll be a, a very welcome boost to him. Yeah, it wasn't 
It was relief in terms of, you know, finally, you know, back on the trail kind of thing. And I suppose it, it, it shows him that Roger sees him as an integral part of this team and he's going to find the best place for him within Roger's setup. And that seems to be, you know, something that we're... That, that, that 4-4-2, 4 4 one one is directly responsible for putting Kyogo in that position to score that goal. So, you know, he's, he's got to feel good about that, that the manager's finding the place for him. The, the most encouraging thing for me, Miff, was the fact that the manager has seen what we've all been seeing in terms of it's just not been working and that he saw fit to change it for St Martin. Stubborn managers, and you could accuse, accuse Rodgers at times of being stubborn, maybe would have turned around and said, nah, listen, 4-3-3 is my, my system, I'm sticking with it. You are all wrong. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. And this is the way. He's clearly seen a, an opportunity. We finished the Aberdeen game 4-4-2, albeit we didn't get the, the goal that we needed. But he's obviously seen something in that. And the fact that you've got either Adam Eder or potentially O as that target man allowing Kyogo that number 10 kind of area of Roman. There's clearly something in it and it looks like it's something that we we might continue for the next few games. I think the, the good news for Celtic fans is as the weeks pass, Rogers seems to be becoming slightly more unhinged. <laughs> which means he's going to go back to full psychopath which is probably for the best for everybody was, involved because this watered down sort of you know corporate nice. suit man that we've had just isn't what we wanted um, you could even see it in his post-match bants with Lenny yeah, and Emma Dodds yeah. Yeah. And, and Jim Goodwin you know it's you just, can see the madness is slowly yeah. coming back I think you saw him giving it the big unit Easter Road yeah Shackles were off You know I thought And was talking about this With a few of my mates um, I thought that The arm out the Range Rover and London Road Was got to be the prelude To something a bit A bit bigger We've had wee skirmishes Around it But um, it, it Just the past couple He's come out fighting A wee bit mm -hmm. um, And I think that You know Sunday was like A continuation of that What that leads to is uh, He's probably looking at it Thinking you know I need, I need to do something Because he would have felt The performance levels Weren't the same but I think he's also stung as well that he doesn't seem to have a lot of credit in the bank either from a section of Celtic fans <clears throat> or even the the media. He obviously feels like that the negativity is continual and he's decided to come out fighting. Now, that, that, I mean that on both in the sense of his post-match interviews but also what he's doing on the park. He's really, really backing the players that he's got. Um, I think he's working with a lower quality squad than he would like. I think that's obvious. We haven't strengthened the knees. We probably should have. But the line's been drawn under that now. And I think that this is Roger's way of saying that. It's like, these are my guys. I'm going to back them. Why don't you back us? I think in the media thing, it's it's really quite obvious the last few weeks. You know, Clement's been um, making tweaks to unlock the title challenge. And Rogers is scrambling around for answers by changing his squad. That that's the the, the narrative that's been put yeah, out. Yeah, the headlines that are doing yeah, the rounds. Exactly. Question I've got for you is Kyogo then moving into the, the kind of a ten role, if he was rested for whatever reason, does it give you an opportunity to play Palmer in there? Yes, it does. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. When the team came out, you know, people weren't sure, you know, what is this? Is it three five two, four four two? What's what's the story? And I, you know, a couple of folks mentioned that it might be an opportunity for Palmer to play in that ten. <laughs> And that said, he's played a, a key part in both the goals on the day. Honking. So, yes, he got a 6 out of 10 in our star check, Miff. But he he did provide, you know, and, and that, that's what you need him to do to try and kind of, you know, assist and unlock defences. And he, he certainly done that. But he has got the skill. We, we know he's a skillful guy, technically pretty gifted. And maybe he could slot into that 10. I think with we, we Palmer, much like with Maeda, 
you'll need to make your peace with what he doesn't do with the fact that he's just going to pop up with something inconsistently yeah. with mm-hmm. assists and goals. But his general play is not got it's got to be something that's got to frustrate you more often than not. Um That's not going to last though. Well, you know, as in he won't last if that's the case. Again, that that remains to be seen. But could you play him in the ten? Yes, I, th- I think centrally you'd probably get more out of him because in the absence now, now that we don't have Turnbull, we we need someone with a bit of technique who can strike the ball for for the edge of the box. You know, that's something that's missing for players who play in that, that position, yeah. and he can most certainly do that. Yeah, he can. We'll get stuck into all in a bit more detail, but before we do so, just a short request from us. Remember that we now provide pre and post match shows for every Celtic game. So make sure you're following us wherever you get your podcast, meaning you'll never miss an episode. Alternatively, if you tend to watch your shows on YouTube, then make sure you're subscribing to the channel there for the very same reason. And if you've not already done so, you can now listen to the post-match show from the win against St Mirren, as well as all other episodes in our back catalogue, including special episodes with Lobo Moravchik and Martin O'Neill. James, to get us started this week, as a continuation, I suppose, of the, the St Mirren chat, I want to talk about the the players' mentality and, and what we've seen from them in recent weeks. It's been a particularly tense time around the club, certainly since the window opened and closed with the, the failings that we know about. But despite that, you know, including the, the Rangers win and a few wins before it, as we've touched on a couple of times now, Celtic are eight wins and one draw from nine. So yes, performances aren't great, but they're doing something right. Yeah, they're sticking with it through a really tough time. I mean, you look at, you know, the back four yesterday and I thought by and large they were all very good. That They're all second string. Your full back four second string, that's, you need to go back a bit to, to find a Celtic team that it's just full back for the second string. And that permeates or that 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 replicates throughout the squad when you've had, you know, strikers out, you've wingers out, you get guys away for tournaments, injuries everywhere. So the fact that we've got to where we've got to, with all that going on and all the noise and the unnecessary negativity created by the club by not signing anyone to support the manager and support the players, I think it's a real testament to them. And now we're in a position where you know, with a Watt on the bench there on uh, Saturday, Sunday, which I thought was really positive. And then you've got Taylor back at the weekend. You've got uh, Carter Vickers coming back. Hatati won't be far far behind that. So you're looking at mid-March probably being, you know, full strength when it's most required. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and the key is getting there, Miff. You know, th- those players James mentions returning from injury, they'll provide a, a huge boost to what Celtic are doing. But in the meantime, the players have just had to keep winning games of football and... With the exception of the Aberdeen game, they've done exactly that. They have, and mentality is an extremely important thing at a club at Celtic because recognising that you do have an effect to win every game. Well, you mentioned that block of games. It wins out of nine, one draw at a difficult venue, a historically difficult venue in any case. Um, and yet the fans are still really quite... You know, there's just constant questioning of the team's form, the way they've played, the formation they've played, the personnel that's been been chosen. Are are certain players good enough to even be in the squad? Those players are now starting games. You know, the likes of Ralston, Welsh, Burnaby. Even even to a degree that that noise has been around sort of Palman Maeda as well. At times where the, a section of the fans really just can't warm Maeda. No matter what he does for me, I'm 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 not one of them. I'm 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 quite a fan of his brand of chaos. But um, the mentality that you have to have as a Celtic player is that whatever you do, come back with the three points. And I think you're seeing elements of that within the squad, which has to bode well because I I don't think there's really been many times this season we feel we've played really well 
for a period of games. It, it's been it's been very bitty around performance, but fans will accept that as long as we're winning. For me, it, it's hard. I understand the negativity for the fans to a degree because I think that comes from the boardroom, the manager not being backed and the squad not being supported. So in some ways you feel sorry for the players because they've not they've not been supported by the, the hierarchy to go into this sort of title run. But then at the same the same time, I think a, a huge element of the, the nervousness and the negativity towards the team is we, we had a comfortable position, we've thrown it away. Again, you can level that part like the boardroom, part like the players, part like the manager. But I think what we need to do is just kind of brace ourselves for the fact, right, well, it is going to be a slugfest from now to the end of the season, prepare for that and, and just support the team. That's ultimately what, what we have to do. And maybe we as, as a, a group of fans have just lost that kind of nerve for the battle because we've been so used to having it our own way for so long. Yeah, it might be a bit of anxiety as much as anything, James. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But I think there's, you know, if you want to get into the, the therapy of it all, no one at Celtic, fans, players, management, board, whatever, has processed Ange Postecoglou leaving. It was just, right, what's next, right, get back on my years a new season. That, so when there's a bump in the road... It's you, you flock back to, oh, it was great under Ange and it was all this and it was all that. It doesn't matter if it was or it wasn't. We're, we are where we are and we've got to move forward for here. So I think that's partly where the anxiety comes from because we just haven't had any time to process that. It was such a huge manager in Celtic's history. It's going to be you know, important in the, the grand scheme of things, Ange's place in Celtic's history. And the board have signed a top calibre manager, which is a, a bit of a, you know, I, I have to give them plaudits for that. But then they haven't backed him. And you're kind of going, what, what are you doing, man? The continuity potential was all there. So, again, we are where we are. So the door's locked. The players are in the room. These are the players we've got to the end of the season. What a title this would be to win this season, by the way, because we're being written off. Top of the league being written off. It's going to be one of the sweetest ever if we can get there. So, and PTSD, is that, is that what it all comes down to? That's and, what the... and PTSD. Yeah. I mean, it explains... A fair amount of things, but I think now we're, what are we, kind of seven, eight months of Brendan Rodgers and I understand and actually there's bumps in the road. And saying that, you, you referenced the interview with him, Neil Lennon and Jim Goodwin. It was pretty enjoyable, it was kind of seven minutes or so with just football guys shooting the breeze and all that kind of stuff. And he says it's taken time and he, he accepted that we've not been playing the way that we should be playing and it's just part of, you know, trying to reintroduce his system he met, I know he's been questioned at times of of how he's spoken about the players and the lack of quality he's got. He actually spoke very highly of them then. He said, listen, we've got a great bunch of lads. The new guys have come in. They've all tried to integrate. I, I can't fault them. They've been doing everything to to make this work. So he's, he, yeah, right. You know, he's now, he knows what he's got now, Muff, between now and the end of the season. And it looks like he's trying to just galvanise the team. And, and there's nothing that will do that better than, than picking up wins. He's quoted as saying at the time, the narrative around our team is that we're not together, but you can't come and win comfortably like that if you're not. So referencing, referencing this in one game. At the same time, Callum McGregor was speaking, he says, we block out the noise and just focus on what we're doing. Is it almost, if I don't think it's quite full siege mentality, but is it something down that road that they're trying to engineer? Yeah, well, that, that's that's what I was referencing when I was speaking earlier, was that he's clearly hurt mm -hmm. by it. It's bothering him, probably more than he's ever let anything in the Scottish media bother him before from memory mm, yeah. um, so that's quite noteworthy in itself that if it's taking something like that to really get his back up and just go back to you know kind of full proper Brendan then great got well, to bode well be disrespectful. 
Uh, but that, that's that kind of stuff. You know? There you go. So e excellent accent. So <laughs> that for me is is what I'm taking out of this is it, it seems to have kind of lit a bit of fire under him. Mm -hmm. um, and and this season, it's I think I think James is quite right. We had a we had a you know a manager whose whose very presence and charisma ran right through the entire club and probably masked a lot of the failings within the club at, at that time and we've kind of reverted back to type as you can just clearly see from the transfer windows so it was always going to take a bit of time and, and now that the transfer windows by you can be philosophical and say right well you know what this is it I'm a Celtic fan I support the team let's go all out to the end of the season that's fine the one wee asterisk next to all of that is that's all well and good but you need to win mm. and you need to keep winning and it's as simple as that and, and I think doing that right through until the end of the season is asking a lot of the current squad given that there is still a few of them come back now James makes a good point a lot of them are coming back soon can't come quick enough but with with that starting 11 it wouldn't be surprising if you're then going to incrementally drop points in a running because quite simply it's just not strong enough and this is where Brendan Rodgers needs to come into his own James <clears throat> there's folk you know I call them an elite manager or certainly something close to an elite manager and then you get certain folk you know jumping all over that you know he's, he's nothing like an elite manager you either like him or you don't that, that's the camp Celtic fans are in you either rate him or you don't rate him there's no really much in between you know there's no fans thinking yeah he's decent at times but you know not so good at other times so I think he is a talented manager but this is where he needs to show exactly why Celtic have paid the most money in Scottish football in terms of a manager to bring him back to the club so I'm pleased Muff that you're right it seems that this has lit a fire underneath Brendan Rodgers and, and I think we'll get the benefits of that just in terms of the players what he stay on that message so from Callum McGregor's comments if you watch them after the game there's no doubt they're hearing it you know players are, are reading or, or hearing or seeing on social media exactly what's been said about them and I think there needs to be real credit given certainly to Callum McGregor and Joe Hart who I think's also really stepped up there's various other guys Brendan Rodgers mentioned it's you know, you take those two out and it's a really young team. It's not. The youngest is Adam Ida, who turned 23 yesterday. Everyone at Maida's 26, Ralston's 25, Welsh is 25, uh, even Burnaby's 24, Palmer's turned 24, Kyogo's 29. It's not a team of young guys, but I think what he's maybe referencing is that between them, they've not got a lot of senior appearances for some of these guys that we've mentioned, which is fine. But I think certainly, you know, Callum McGregor and Joe Hart, they do have that experience. They've been there, seen it, done it all. And they've done it for Celtic as well. You know, Joe Hart's had a illustrious career, you know, everywhere else. But he's also now won a couple of titles for Celtic. He knows exactly what it takes to win here. And I think you need to credit those two in particular for pulling Celtic through what's been a, a pretty ropey six weeks or so. Yeah, that's, that, that's I suppose, where the, the transfer window smarts because you're saying, give me two more of them. Two more guys who've been over the piece with other teams, other leagues, whatever kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's full credit to to those two, certainly, and uh, to Rodgers for you know, galvanising them. I think Joe Hart's been outstanding last, last last few games. I think McGregor's still in a bit of patchy form, but that will come. He's just doing so much work other than his, his day job, you know. Um, he's covering so many positions. And the other guys are starting to play their part as well. So I think Ralston and Welsh are a big part of it. Mm -hmm. They're really driving... The, the others to raise their standards of commitment. You know, we talked about it in the, the post-match yesterday. You can have all the talent you want, but if you're not going to commit and deliver, then it doesn't matter. You know, you can knock them for their slightly less levels of talent, but you can't knock their commitment, and they're raising that throughout the team. I think that's an excellent point about Ralston. I mean, as, as a Celtic fan, we can often sit here and bemoan 
you know, the, the type of player that plays for the jersey and it doesn't matter how technically limited. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Ralston. If he was listening, I said probably want to punch me square in the face. But, you know, Ralston does an excellent job with the toolkit that he's got. But but not only that, he goes over and above in terms of what, you know, just the sheer I, effort and desire did, that did he brings you, you. Did you see where that ball started with him and Ewan? Yep. He was 80-20 to get yep. that and he just took it. So so when you when you see that that there's no doubt that that inspires whether you're new in the door or you've been in the door for twenty years, if you watch someone on on the park playing like that, it does it does lift your levels because you know it means something and then it means something to you and you know an academy product playing for Celtic and showing that level of commitment that that's what we all want Celtic fans. Yeah. That attack you mentioned, James, um, that led to the the penalty that led to the win against Tibbs. It's not too dramatic to say that could have been a title winning tackle. Yep. It's so important. And Tony Ralston's got previous his goal against Ross County and Angie's first season, 97th minute. So, And I'm delighted for a guy like Tony Ralston because he's had to bide his time. Alistair Johnson is a better technical footballer than Tony Ralston, but Tony Ralston's got the heart of line. And I think that's what we need just now when the chips have been slightly down, you know, or, or something to that effect. And it's McGregor, it's Welsh, it's Ralston, it's three academy kids that seem to be pulling Celtic through at this moment in time, plus the experience of Joe Hart. James, your final comments as we wrap up this part of the, the show. Just that we're, we're, we're in a better position than a lot of people would give us credit for. Um, and that's w- within the Celtic support and out with. So let's, you know, be thankful we've got to where we are and we're ready to launch it in the next phase. Yeah, definitely. Let's take a short break and when we return, we'll look at what's become an increasingly difficult situation regarding Leah Labada's Celtic future. Welcome back, folks. We're now going to turn our attention to what's become a particularly difficult situation for Leah Labada at Celtic. James, he was left out of the squad altogether at the weekend and I think ultimately it's been the right move. He was... Very, very poor against Tibbs. As, as bad as you've maybe seen a sub, you know, coming on for Celtic in recent times. I think that there was a start in the rounds that in the short time he was on the park, he gave the ball away seven times. His head was clearly not in it, and that's reflected in the fact that he was left out. Brendan Rodgers was quoted um, on that decision as saying, he wasn't in the right frame of mind. I've spoken a lot to Leo, and it's been a challenging time for him. I just felt when he came into the game the other night, it just wasn't him. So we gave him this chance to have a few days off and clear his mind. I'll have a chat with him again next week and we'll see where he's at. But if it's hard to understand fully what he's experience, experiencing as a as a young player, a 22-year-old guy, given what's going on in his home country, but it's it's hard also to see a solution for Leila Bada at Celtic at this time. Well, it's, there's, there's lots of different threads running through it. Um, there's obviously the very sensitive situation that's going on in the, the Middle East around Gaza and Israel Celtic fans the majority of Celtic fans stance on that it's very uh, very well known which would obviously make that uncomfortable for someone of Leal Abada's upbringing um, however ultimately um, and I've mentioned this before vast majority of Celtic fans that go to the games well being sensitive to the subject will concentrate mainly on the football when they're there and will only be interested on the output of any player on the pitch well or bad included if external factors whatever that might be you know war <coughs> personal circumstances whatever affect your output on the football pitch then you shouldn't be considered for selection and that might sound harsh but ultimately Leal Abada has been given a tremendous platform at Celtic to showcase his skills prior to all this um, 
unfortunate uh, trouble becoming him in his time at Celtic and, and becoming the unfortunate people in, in Gaza. He was he was being spoken of very highly, and as someone who was most likely to leave, he was he was haggling in contract negotiations and, and potentially looking to move to or, or have a more lucrative move um, to, to somewhere else in Europe. So Celtic have given him that platform, and, and he's a contracted employee. Celtic, so he's expected to turn up for his work and, and do his job. Um, as I say, external factors can sometimes affect that, as they do anyone in any walk of life in any job that they do. But for me, I think we've probably reached a tipping point with it now, where he's been given that platform back and the opportunity to grasp it, and then kick on and, and you know reignite his career at Celtic. I think the Celtic fans have shown a real willingness to support him in doing that. I don't, th- I don't think that's in doubt. He's been welcomed back into the fold with open arms. He looks to be have been very well supported by the, the staff as well. Um, they've been sensitive to the situation that he's in. And to be quite frank, to this point, I don't think he's repaid any of that. So if that means that coming back into the first team after everything that's happened has been a bridge too far, then you know we've got a duty here to, to abad himself if, if it's going to make... It. If if the the tipping point was indeed that performance against Hibs, which whilst a bad, I can be erratic. He can give the ball away. He can make rash decisions when he's on the ball. He can also make some very good ones, and he can also be really really effective. He was so ineffective to the point where he was effectively a liability. I would say mm-hmm. um, on the pitch. Once you get to that point, if your head's that scrambled that you can't, you don't know when to get your head up and play a simple pass or cross the ball or take a man on you're doing the player a favour by taking him out of the firing line. Yeah. I think Roger's words there are, are fairly accurate around, let's have a chat, are you ready to play? No, you're not. Go and clear your head, we'll pick it up in a few days. If if this cycle continues, then I, I can't see him playing again for Celtic, to be honest with you, because it becomes an untenable position, which is really, really unfortunate. I'm, I'm not for one minute saying I don't want Leo Abad to play for Celtic again. What I hope is that he comes to a place in his mind where he feels comfortable enough to go on the pitch, clear his mind and just go back to the Leila Bada that we've come to know over the past couple of years at Celtic. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> James, there's been a, a, there was a concern or a question mark as to how, how he'd be received when he did return from injury. He got the last 10 minutes or so in that Rangers game, we were there and he got a huge applause, yep. you know, almost beyond what you would expect. And I think, and Miff's touched on it there, Celtic fans have welcomed them back with open arms because by and large, fans as well as players, certainly when you get into the arena as such, you're just there for the football. Politics is politics, it's part of life and it you know it takes place in other areas. But when you're there at the football, you're there to kind of enjoy the spectacle and hopefully cheer your team onto a win. And for the most part, I don't know how political or not Lee Alabad is at 22 years of age. He'll have his own thoughts, of course he will. I don't think he's been particularly outspoken on them unless I've missed that somewhere. And I also think, you know, reading between the lines, he potentially just wants to enjoy his football, James. But he'll be under huge pressures in different areas. You'll have heard that he's walked down the tunnel and not joined the celebrations in the last two or three games now. And that's not playing ball. You're you're there. You're you're a key part of a team. It's a team sport. You can't be anything less than 100% committed to your teammates. Otherwise, that's going to break elsewhere. And I think we touched on it in one of the post-matches. In terms of the optics, he will struggle to stand in front of Palestinian flags and celebrate, knowing the pressures that brings at home. Anyone can debate the rights and wrongs of that, but you can understand his point of view. That would make him uncomfortable, potentially. And to Miff's kind of overarching point on it, James, can you see a future? Can you see a solution? 
Uh, as long as he's able, I suppose, as to Mav's point, as long as he's able to kick a ball, play well for Celtic, score an assist, then yeah, you do see a future. Is the political situation so heavy on his shoulders that that is unlikely? Very potentially. He's under severe pressure back home. I actually caught an interview with Martin Geisler and a guy called Yuri Levy, um, who seemed to be a football correspondent from Israel. Um, actually seemed fairly reasonable, to be fair to him. Martin Geisler was going for the the kind of gotcha interview, trying to get Celtic stuck in, and he, and he didn't really get it. I thought it was a pathetic interview from him. Um, so he was just speaking quite broadly. Now, they're speaking quite broadly about the things elephant in the room not being mentioned. Obviously, you know, my politics on it are are well enough known that it's it's part of the problem is that the media uh, standpoint has moved from where Celtic fans were on you know, say early October last year Celtic fans were you know firm and have been <coughs> firm for a long long time and the media were there against that we all knew it was going to happen it has happened and the media has swung kind of to soften up on that to what towards our kind of line and um, that things should be you know brought to a ceasefire and stuff and that puts further pressure on a batter from back home, What, why you'd, you know, hanging about, you know, that kind of place, get your move. But if that is the case, and if he really feels that has to be the case, then it should have been a frank discussion with Celtic and his agent in the January window to move. Yep. I think Celtic have played it almost not perfect. They've accommodated him in terms of, you know, this is a place where you play football and if you're ready to play football, we're ready for you. There's your fans going out in a game <coughs> or winning a big, big game got his applause, you know, credit to the fans for that. There's nothing more Celtic could have done. It's not Celtic. This is coming from Israel, not from Celtic. And if he is pictured, even if he's in the halfway line, camera behind him, Palestinian flag in front of him, Celtic players celebrating, mm -hmm. that picture goes back to Israel. What what gyp does his family get? We've seen the trouble of the people getting in Israel for not being, you know, lockstep behind the government. It's, you know, he must have worries that that's going to impact on his family. So, he, he's not making himself scarce because he's not part of the team. He's making himself scarce because there's further implications for, for being caught there. So, like you say, he's not been overly outspoken himself. He was, you know, did he, did he service in the IDF? The way you're brought up in Israel. You have the, to. Yeah, you have to, that's what it's I mean. Compulsive. Yeah, so, you know, he's, he's, he's gone through that. Um, the, but the boy's in a terrible situation. Celtic have handled it really well. The fans have backed him. This is an Israel problem, not a Celtic problem. Yeah, I'd agree. A, a lot of really good points there. Um... Also, my any hopes we had of getting Martin Geisler on the show have been completely extinguished. I, I'd, I'd love to have him on the show after <clears> that. Shocker. I was just going to say, get it up, you Geisler, after, after yeah. <laughs> James was aiming for him. <laughs> um, the reality of the situation for Lealabad is that he, he signed a new deal on the 1st of September last season, last year, uh, a four-year deal. So it came some of the club, certainly on paper, until summer of 2027. You wonder, if uh, there must have been discussions behind the scenes. Was that time where it was publicised that Leal Abada did want to speak to the hierarchy at the club uh, and he was seen going into Celtic Park on his crutches at the time and there's no doubt there'll have been discussions with most likely Michael Nicholson certainly Brendan Rodgers about what the future may hold for Leal Abada at Celtic and it's strange then that we've kind of come through that time gone through a January window where there must have been an opportunity and decided against for whatever reason moving the player I, on I, I think he'll have said I can do <coughs> it <coughs> I, I think that's the bit for me um, probably need to bear in mind the board's attitude towards the element of fans who do support Palestine that may have played a part in the reassurances that that's a lot for a lot of people well, but, I, true, that, but that was a time where the club were 
kind of um, encouraging fans not to wave flags. You yeah, know, it I, was around about I, that time. Aye, but you so, saying flags are okay. Mm, that's another still, story. Still, you know, you take my point that the board were, if not at war with fans, were certainly trying to clamp down on on the support that the um, people of Palestine were receiving for Celtic fans at the time. Whilst it's whilst it's sensitive, whilst it's unfortunate because you're talking about a young footballer's career here as well, and potentially that being being derailed or, or certainly pushed to the side for another four or five months. What it all really truly boils down to is can he go out in the park and produce the goods? And that comes down to his mentality. The other element to it is exactly what you say, the optics. And if they make it back home, the ramifications that could have for his family. None of us can really put ourselves in that position. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here chaffing about it, saying, oh, well, if you're no scoring goals and assisting for Celtic yeah. on your way, wee man, but really, let, let's be honest, none of us can really, really put ourselves in that position. All we can do is say, let's hope that a resolution's found and yeah. that Abad is back in the team. More importantly, the overarching <coughs> thing for all of this is that a resolution's found in Palestine and that innocent people stop being killed. Of course. But in, in the context of Will Abada, I, I personally think it's got to be very, very difficult for him to feel like he can give his best for the team at this stage. And therefore, I find it very unlikely he'll be available for selection for some time to come. I think that's going to play out, James. I was going to ask the question or suggest that, you know, we as fans to an extent should try and empathise with somebody like Leo Labada, but how can you empathise with a, a situation that he's facing as a as a young player in the the situation that's ongoing back home. It's nothing that any of us have ever experienced in, in Norwich. You, you wish that upon anybody. It's very difficult and it, it transcends football. You know, it's a it's a very serious topic and you can understand the challenges that Leal Abad's, Abad is facing at this moment in time. Last question, James, quite pointedly before we move on. Will we see him in a Celtic shirt again? Not this season. And beyond? I think it does depend if... You know, we find a ceasefire and we find, you know, some way through the, the madness and the massacres. If, then if anything else, it's going to get worse. Yeah, certainly is right now. Um, but if if that does calm down, I, no, I mean, I think even if that does calm down, you're probably looking for a move in the, in the summer. I suppose Celtic don't want to be seen to be, you know, facilitating a move out of, for a player who feels politically unsafe at Celtic because that's not the case. The fans have, you know, welcomed him back. Um, but I think the summer might be a, a, a good... Can I step off point? Yeah, challenging situation all round, but let's hope whatever the solution may be, that a solution can be found for all concerned. Um, moving on, I'm going to stay on the subject of Celtic wingers, but a very different um, situation, absolutely. I'm going to talk about James Forrest, which I'm sure you'll be glad to hear, but not so much in terms of what I'm going to say. So James Forrest, he's not played one minute of competitive football or any football for Celtic over the last eight games. And you'd argue that he's got Dyson Maeda, Palmer, Kuhn, Yang, and maybe even Rocco Vata ahead of him in the pecking order. He's 33 years of age. He's not playing much football at all. Same question. Will we see much of James Forrest in a Celtic shirt again? Yes. <laughs> I need some uh, rationale behind that because we're not seeing any glimpses just now. No, I, listen, I think he can consider himself unlucky given the output of some of the, the wingers over the, the winter period. I, I, I think Forrest's a relatively safe bet when you play him around. He'll, you know, he'll do what Rogers loves and he'll retain possession. And, and recycle it um, I think what's been noticeable this season unfortunately for Jamesy is he's just maybe lost that ability to, to beat his man on, on the outside which was always his, his forte getting to the byline getting the, getting the crosses in 
but he's he's still good at linking the play. Um, I I just I just like him. He's a Celtic legend. I I still think we'll see more of him before the end of the season comes. He signed a three-year extension, James, in May of 2022, so it keeps him here till May of next year, 2025. Cheers, Ange. It, it, it felt like a long time at the time, and it's now kind of playing out like that. It felt too long. I think it is too long. You need to end this hate. <laughs> no hate. No hate. Uh, I mean, look, let's look at his attitude first of all. He's fit as a fiddle, fit as he's maybe ever been at Celtic, um, but he has lost that. Half yard the pace. It's come at a time when Rogers is in the next phase of his Celtic plans uh, for this season, which is much more movement, much more dynamism, and he's he's not really going to give us that. Even if we sh- we've shipped wingers out in this window, two guys in his side, Tillio and Johnson, both out, but it's still very congested in front of him. Mm-hmm. So it's not really right if he's not going to start. If we accept mm-hmm. that, sorry, Muff, time comes to everyone. Then is he going to make the bench? And if so, ahead of who? So you know. Is he ahead of Kund? Is he ahead of Maida? I don't think so. So it's just numbers. Um, I, I think Yang returning as well. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and he's come back, he's played a part. He's lively. He's shook up. No. Yeah, so and that's the movement that Rodgers is looking I, that, for. That's, you know? that, that's what I mean. Around, you know, if, if, if I think of the squad yesterday, I, I kind of understand why, why he's not in it. But I think going forward, he'll, he'll have a part. Even if it's a small part, he'll still have a part to play. I think only through injury and suspension to other wingers. I think if everybody's fit, we've got hundreds of them. He's trying to be here, and I'm no rising. No, <laughs> but you've, you've even got Rocco Vata, who's very much a fringe player at this moment in time. But Rogers seems to be favouring him getting a slot on the bench, you know, over James Forrest. Even just a side point, James, you and I, as I said on the the post match yesterday, Louis Palmer was the only summer signing that started the game. Uh, in fact, I and Adamida, of course, from the, the January. Signing, yeah. It's really damning, but we can't get that at this moment in time. But yeah, all of those players, Maeda's ahead of James, Palmer's definitely ahead of him, Kuhn, Yang, and you can debate Vata. You can't have six wingers in your match day squad. I wouldn't even debate Vata. You have to get the youth in there to see if he can do it. You know, that, that's got to be your option off the bench. We, we know what we get for Jamesy, and he is, you know, he's steady Eddie, he retains the ball. There might be a game where that becomes, you know, useful, steady. but. He is now. I mean, no, it's just the, it's look, his age. Look, look at the body did, did, look shoulders, dead, closed off. Dead. Is Mikey been playing for West Brom? Came off the bench the first weekend. I've not checked for the weekend. There. I have. I have. I, I have not. I meant to keep an eye on him and David Turnbull, but I've, I don't know how they've done it the weekend. Yeah. Seen Cardiff for two down after about ten minutes at home to press. Yeah. Bring on the Dynamo. Yeah. Yeah. Get the ball on. Um, again, though, just as you know, we discussed a wee bit for a bad out. Are you surprised that given the real lack of game time that James is going to get presented with that he wasn't allowed to leave? There was suggestion in the final few days that, that he potentially was going to go to Cardiff on loan if, if nothing more permanent. Oh, lovely boy. <laughs> <laughs> but why was he Why was he not allowed? Because he's, he's, he seems surplus to requirements, Muff. Here's a question, sorry Muff. Why not get him out to a team that would challenge you know, our opposition? Because you know, he could be handy for someone I, else. That, that, is he handy for Dundee? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? St Johnson, Aberdeen. That's what I think. I, I think we, we should be doing far more of that. Yeah, I, thought, I thought there would have been lots of that in the window, um, and there wasn't. I, I, up until recently, I've, I've been saying that about O. I yeah, think that's exactly O. Six months at you know Aberdeen, Kilmarnock, whatever. Go and get a few goals and, and come back confident. Even even somebody like Yang try to acclimatise. He had needed game time for the Asia Cup, but there's I think there's definitely a player in Yang. It, it yeah. Decision making, you can see he's got the he's got the individual Final skill. Part. Just yeah. needs that 
you know. See, and I think that's something that Rogers, to be fair, Rogers is the man to coach that. Yeah. He'd one really good moment, didn't he, where he burst down the left hand side. He kind of did he not make a guy and then kind of cut the inside guy, yeah. another guy. And it was just a final ball. We spoke about it, James. The final ball. I think Kuhn was open on the right hand side. The, get the head up. They say the most important touch in football is the last one, Muff. Yes, get your first touch right, control it, but it's what you do with your final pass, your final execution. It's no good doing the great stuff and then giving it away. We end, do, up, we end up getting a throw in out of it. Do they say that, eh? They, 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 they say that. Commas, they say that. Have we, have we got time, can I ask a, a, just a wee rogue question? <laughs> what's the what's the panel's opinion on Kuhn? Getting uh, there. Getting better. I, I was at Easter Road, as I say, I thought he was shocking. I thought he was uh, we've mentioned that about I gave a really poor performance Kuhn was just was as bad it, was it not just one of those games though I think everybody was shocking with him really mm. well mm. so you're watching it and there's a, a lot of frustration doing the rounds but every time it went to Kuhn who was playing on the right hand side he, he either gifted it away or played a really cautious safe pass back in his midfield or his full backs I thought he was woeful it's not an option anymore because the horseshoe is gone the horseshoe of uncertainty yeah. we've scrapped that Brendan's yeah. made a call it was the possession-based horseshoe smothering teams. <laughs> it took 28 minutes for it to appear yesterday. I thought it was good. Now the jury remains out on Kuhn. A bit more encouraging when he came off the yeah. bench yesterday. You just need that's, to give him time. That's actually what I thought. Yeah. I thought... Um, Idiot podcasters right off signing after I, I, two games. I thought... Um, they were? I thought uh, yes. he, showed a, he showed a bit of spark yesterday and I was really, really... Um, I, actually, I think he's got to be decent. And I, I did also say about... You can ask the boys when we signed Ida. I was like, I know, I know why you are all going nuts, right? I get it. I totally get it, but I don't think this is going to be that bad. Yeah, I did say that. I did say that at the time. I, I know it's like been on since, but it, he was very well heralded when he was younger. Yep. He's had a few injuries. Norwich have been an absolute basket case of a club, to be fair, and he was he was keeping Puky at the team for a while. He's just not kind of kicked on, and I think maybe this move is is the thing for him. I think it's just got to be the right place at the right time. Yep. Not quite Hooper esque. I can see you've got that looking right. Not quite Hooper esque. But I'm 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 hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I think uh, I think he'll play his part between now and the end of the season. Yeah, James, just to wrap this up before the break, your final comments on James Forrest's Celtic future. I think it, and Maths watching carefully here. I think the minutes will be be slim. You know, it's that's just the way football goes. Um, I've been two minds. I'd, I'd love to see them, you know, play on another year or so and be a one club man and all that stuff. And that might still be the case, but. I think he's something to offer teams, you know, whether it be in Scotland, England or elsewhere. I think he could go and, you know, do a bit of a job. So, you know, whatever he does, he goes with our best wishes. If he's not got a steadily, can we go and get a payday down south? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's take a short break and when we come back, a very disgruntled miff will be given us this week's mystery Celt. Welcome back, folks. We're now going to go to this week's mystery set, which Miff will be providing. But before we go to that, we'll take a quick look at last week's, which was provided by Paddy. Uh, clue number one, James, I have 47 caps for Scotland. Number two, I've also played for Chicago Fire in Hull City. And number three, I've won the FA Cup. I know you don't listen when you're not on, Miff, but Absolutely did you... Absolutely not interested. <laughs> did you get this one? <laughs> no, I'm not interested. I just, I don't I actually block all notifications and everything. If is I'm my, not on, is my no up? interested in nah. that. Boom. Just to recap then for guys like Miff who didn't quite catch it, the answer was Sean Maloney of course. Sean Maloney had two spells at Celtic between 2001 and seven, and then again between 2008 and 2011. Went on to play for Wigan, Chicago Fire then Hull as mentioned, won the FA Cup for Wigan. Uh, and he's since managed Hibs and is currently managing Wigan in League One. Muff, your thoughts on Sean Maloney? He gave great hope to us small stumpy men. <laughs> <laughs> James didn't add to that. Uh, 
I suppose hope was was the word when he when he burst through kind of thing. You're thinking this is going to be the, the, the player for the ages. And you know, he, he had a great career at Celtic and elsewhere. Maybe didn't quite hit the heights that I expected of him, but you know, he's he's going to do well. I think he was very poorly treated at Hibs as a manager, given the nonsense that was going on there. So I hope he does well at Wigan and, and goes on and bounces back for that. A, a total pro, by the way, just very focused in his game. Yeah. Technically excellent. Yeah. And I always remember him speaking about um, when Roy Keane came to Celtic and Keane spoke to him before the, I think it was the League Cup final against Dunfermline. Was that the one Big the Dion scored? Die? Yeah. And uh, Keane pulled him aside in the dressing room and said, your career is defined by these games and the difference you make in these games. And I just thought that was something really, really telling is that it's nice to know that I know bringing Keane in divided the fans because some folk thought he was just here to tick a box and come for a payday. Others were, like me, were just absolutely delighted. Yeah. I had Keane 16 on the back immediately, you know, within a day I'm signing. But to know that things like that were going on in the dressing room and he's passing that yeah. sort of thing on, you know, just having that sort of influence in the dressing room was great. And I thought with Sean Maloney, for somebody that came through at Celtic, it was very unusual for a Scottish player. It was a very technical player. He had a wee bit of pace, but it was a very technical player. And he was a player I absolutely loved watching. Loved watching. That. I, I, he, he was a, a favourite of mine. Sean yeah, yeah. Any guy that scores a goal like that against Rangers. It's always yeah, going to be a cracker. One thing I've always remembered about Sean Maloney, it sticks out. I, I think most of us have never watched Seville back. Have you watched it back? Did no. you? No. I've never watched the replay of the game. Don't think I ever will. But what does stand out for me is that in the, the dying minutes... Celtic get a free kick in a, a relatively dangerous area with Henrik Larsson on the park and Sean Maloney pulled it. rank. Is that the right, right term? Couldn't believe it. Sean Maloney stepped up and fired one over the bar. Aye, I nearly caught it. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's got the clip or wants to share it or James, you'll need to watch it back to catch that. But it definitely happened because at the time I, I thought... I remember at the time. What's going on yeah, here? Yeah. Two goal Larsson, hat-trick, yeah. all set up for you. Sean Maloney blazes it over the bar. Not to finish so on a negative with Sean Maloney. Off, giving him all the plaudits career. And by the way... Yeah, it's just something that stood out. But no, a great professional. He's kind of sitting around about mid-table in League One there with, with Wigan, but hopefully he can fire them back up. I'll end on a, a positive and a familiar note. Denied an absolute stone wall yeah. at the Copeland Road. Yeah. Davy Beer just whips yeah. his legs away from him. Uh, two in the same game, I think. Uh, yeah. But that, I mean, it's he just... Uh, not dissimilar to the one Lennon. Lennon, yeah. Get denied at the, in probably the exact same spot. Anyway, enough Sean Maloney chat. Good guy. All the best, Sean. Doing well down at Wigan. Hopefully he manages to get them some sort of promotion. Miff, what's the, the clues? You said they're a bit sketchy this week, is that right? Um, oh, I thought I deleted them. <laughs> oh, the panic was here for <laughs> That'll be on video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I'll go for it, right? Go for it. Dave, you've got to be busy tonight anyway, so. I started my playing career in 1996 and retired in 2013. Hear my voice change there It's like it's more authoritative than that It's not like a traffic warning Okay I won ex- What? <laughs> I won exactly 50 international caps For my country Okay My former clubs include FC 20 And AEK Athens So we had Venegar That did play with 20 did, But didn't play with AEK Ike Ike Ike. Ike. No idea. You're right. Plenty, there. Plenty, sketchy. I'm plenty dead here. here. Uh, so sketchy. Played, played for 19 years. Had 50 caps and played with two clubs. Cheers, Miff. That's great. Footballer who played Finally. for a country. Finally. You've got a bonus clue. Bonus clue. And I've got my other. This isn't the clue that I would. I. Yeah. I was signed by Neil Lennon. <laughs> That's not really helping. Uh, twin, um, two former clubs. 
duration of playing career. These are nah. Edson Braffid. <gasps> nah. nah, nearly that one. Aye, we'll need to move on. Uh, as Do always, you want the last one. Give us, give us a clue at the end. Aye, save it till the end, end of the show. End of the show. Save it till the end of the show. up. Aye. Um, <laughs> I've only been waiting three and a half years. Brilliant. I'm I was getting going, my flowers. I was going to say, as always, the answer will be beeped out, but there's not, nothing to beep here because we didn't have any decent guesses. So we'll share the clues on the socials as well and we'll reveal, reveal the answer in next week's show. Wait till I took a drink of coffee there. Do you know Remember, if you want to set the mystery cell for a future episode, just get in touch via Twitter and you can be the one providing the clues next time around. Okay, to close out the show, I've got a bit of a, a listener's question that was sent in from Stephen Cairns on Twitter. Stephen is at Kermit underscore 1987 on Twitter, if you want to check out his profile. Uh, but Stephen said, with 13 games and therefore 39 points to play for, what number of games wins us the league this season? Bearing in mind that we're at both Tynecastle and Ibrox before the split. So your initial response to that one, James? Uh, something close to 39. I don't think they're going to drop much. I don't think the refs are going to do anything terribly fair if you're not going to send off Golson for that or Silva for a second booking that's a sign of things to come the intimidation on Willie Collum has worked a treat there you go so that's going to be the case between now and then so I think we'll beat them home and away so that's going to give you a bit of space but we can't use that space any time a league comes down close Rangers tip it because the referees go in their favour so we're just going to have to dig in and win all 13 of these games Spoken like a bitter man, Muff. I'm a bitter man. Yes, a bitter man. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that you'll certainly need to win almost all of those 13 games, if not all of them. Well, since Clermont's come in, the, the evidence is there. That the, you know, Rangers' record against the rest is pretty decent. So, other factors may come into it, like will Aberdeen qualify for the top six? If they do, that would be Exacto. a bit of Audrey. That, that could have an impact. Um, like James said, I would, I would be confident to beat Rangers twice because I don't think your problem is against them, ironically yeah. enough. Um, but Rangers have improved since Clement's come in. It's, it's simple, you know, we're a Celtic podcast, but you can, you know, it's, Disagree. It's, okay, it's okay to say that. I think, I think they've improved. Um, but still, I, I, I think we're a better team. My, my hope is that now that line has been drawn under the the transfer window or lack of activity in the transfer window and, and we move on and we've got players returning is that that level of consistency that we've been so used to over the past few years will return I think you know we're in a, a place now that you can you know sometimes have a few slip ups but we've kind of already had them you know dropping points at home to St Johnson and wow. losing to Kilmarnock and Hearts and, and these kind of things so you've kind of had them they, you know they were your kind of cushion you know yeah. you, they're, they're gone now and, and we're getting into this really intense Kind of running, so I'll give you the, the games between now and the split, certainly. So, Saturday coming, we're at home at Kilmarnock, then it's Motherwell away the following week, then Dundee at home, then get into March, you've got Hearts away at Tynecastle, I think it's a 12 o'clock kickoff um, on the third. That's a particularly tough one. They are, they're flying at the moment. Yeah. I, I was look, looking at their form and they've, I think they've won something like 10 out of their last 11, something like that. Um, we've then got Livingston in the Scottish Cup, a wee bit of a break uh, on the 9th of March, then we've got St Johnson at home. And then Livingston away at the end of March. And then it's Rangers on the 6th of April away, of course, Ibrox. And then St Martin at home. And then you've got your five split games, whatever they'll be. Um, I suppose the, the ones that stand out, and it's to Stephen's point, it's Hearts away and it's Rangers away. But Celtic's big issue, as we've kind of touched on as well, we've not been dealing with the, the other teams as well as we, we should have. 
Yeah, it's that simple. We, we've we've allowed the the more uh, negative tactics that other teams employ to be the the dominant factor in the games that we've played, rather than us as we've been so used to taking the initiative and being able to break them down. Um, now you could argue that's been. I think Hitati missing is a huge part of that. To be perfectly frank with you, Hitati is that that spark in in the midfield. So is missing him is a, is a huge thing. Um, but also. You know, confidence is a massive thing in football, and and I think the players have been low in confidence because it's self perpetuating. They know they've not been playing that well, and you know they, they maybe then become cautious. You mentioned Coons cameo, even even the other midfielders. The ball's then just getting recycled side to side because everybody's scared stiff to lose the ball. We become less creative, and that that leads us to not really going anywhere been put under pressure, we maybe make one mistake, concede one goal. I mean, we could be at home against Hearts. It's a corner and a free kick in the first 15 minutes of the game, game's done. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, really affected our confidence. We just never had the spark to come back from after it. And, you know, the atmosphere in the stadium was, was terrible after that. So all, all those things combined, are we now at a point where, given the recent run, you've not had great performances, but the results have been there. Mm-hmm. That then breeds the confidence. You get that confidence back. Players return. It's just a different feel around the squad. And hopefully... That leads to the, the momentum that sort of slingshots into the, the running. Yeah, and James, how important could the potential return of, of Rayo Hitati and Cameron Carter Vickers be? So, in, in terms of the rest of this month, we're at the 12th of February right now, across February, as I say, come on up, coming, then Motherwell on the 25th, and Wednesday on the 28th. Wednesday on the 28th? Dundee on the 28th? Sure there's, three, there's three very winnable games there. Mm-hmm. You know, come on up home, Dundee at home, Motherwell away. Motherwell do nothing but draw games of football these days, don't they? It's a crazy. Uh, kind of form they're on but Celtic with or without Rayo Hattati and Carter Vickers should be winning those games if you don't win those games you don't deserve the title right so you, yeah. you've got to go and take care of that then you head into that game against Hearts on the, the 3rd of March and the hope is that one if not both of those players may be back by then and that would be a huge boost for such an important game I would but we've seen with Rio, you know it, it takes some time yeah. um, to get back in so you, even we were talking about this just before the, uh, the Asian Cup we were looking to kind of just, he was just starting to get back into games and he was, you know, coming on as a sub and all these things before he was going to start a game and bang, he's away and gone again. And the danger would obviously be both in terms of him being able to get up to the speed of the game, but also his body being able to get up to the speed of the game that he doesn't relapse and get into another injury when these injuries can can start to kind of perpetuate. So I certainly wouldn't be rushing him. I'd love to see him, you know, playing a, a 10, 20 minutes off the bench, maybe not even as much as half an hour. Um, CCV, I think you know we'd be looking to have him back for them that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the the two guys that played yesterday, they showed they can defend. We know it's not as sexy as we like coming out with the ball, but they can defend. You know, so if it's got to be back to the wall a wee bit, then then so be it. But this move to to four four two does give us that wee bit of change of formation that we can break down teams differently, and there's not that constant recycling because. There's a big target man in either to go out there and let the ball break off that and see what O'Reilly, I'm really you know, focused on what you can do, if not Bernardo and Kyogo, obviously in those positions, if not Palmer, as we mentioned earlier on. Math James coming out with the sexy chat on Valentine's week, very, very topical. Who's your uh, lovebird jersey you've got on? It's uh, electric peach, I think we're, we're going <laughs> <It's> with. Something. <laughs> or electric something. salmon. Um, Math, just to answer uh, Stephen's question before we start to, to round off the show. So 13 games, do we need to get Close to winning them all. Do you want to put a, a figure on that? 35. 37. 30, 35 wins out of 13 games. 
we'll go 35 points out of 39 and hopefully that would be enough to get us over the line James your final comments for this week's show where are we at um, yeah so we've got that, that's the perfect way to look at it is what you just broken down there here's eight games to the split so it starts on Saturday against you know a, a very well organised Kilmarnock under uh, Derek McKinnon's beat us twice so far this season uh, is that right? Yep. Yeah, jeez, oh man, just I said it out loud, didn't it? Didn't, didn't it feel right? Um, so, true. get that Saturday, get get those three points on the board and you know, you're off to a really good start, get the players back and it just gets better and better. My final words for the week go to you. Yeah, listen, I think we've reached that point where everybody knows what's at stake. Um, hopefully that's us had our, our, our blip, if not in if not in points being gathered, but certainly in performance levels. And with the returning players, things are really looking up. Yeah, here's hoping we get those boys back sooner rather than later. So that wraps things up on this week's episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to James and Miff for joining me and our thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back later in the week with the Countdown to Kickoff show ahead of this weekend's game with Kilmarnock. And before that, on Wednesday, we'll be launching a brand new mini-series called CSC Stories with the first episode featuring the guys at the Chicago Celtic Supporters Club. So be sure to check that one out. In the meantime, as always, thanks for supporting the Celtic Exchange and we'll see you again soon. Network.